This episode is brought to you by freedadcourse.com. You are always one conversation away from changing your life, and the power of hello is something that I subscribe to every single day, and I'm always saying hello to new people everywhere I go. Increasing your opportunity, increasing your connection, and getting access to the solutions to the problems that you are facing, whether you're on active duty or just beginning your veteran transition or even transitioning out for 20 years. On the other side of hello are the solutions that you're looking for. Again, head on over to freedadcourse.com. Get your five-episode audio course to create more connection, create more friendships, and get back to living the life that you're trying to design. Find somebody that's similar to you and cares about the same type of thing as you do. Like my wife, me and her, like she supports me in whatever I do, you know, whether it's A, B, or C, she's like, yeah, I support you. You know what I mean? So find your support base that can get you through the shitty times of a business. So find who's your support base is, whether it's a friend, family member, coworker, veteran, somebody to be there for you when it's really shitty, you know, because it is going to get shitty regardless. Dory one, this is Fireteam Delta. Dad's coming home. Welcome to the Military Veteran Dad Podcast, where it is our mission to bring every dad home. I am your host, Ben Colloy. I'm a United States Marine veteran, husband, and a father. We will bring authentic conversations to inspire action in your life so we can close the gap between the dad you are today and the dad you want to be tomorrow. This is the Military Veteran Dad Podcast. Welcome to Military Veteran Dad. This is episode number 109, and I am your host, Ben Cloy, and it is the mission of this podcast to bring every dad home. Now, what does it mean to bring every dad home? Bringing every dad home to me means not just physically, not just walking through that door, but walking through that door with intention, walking that through that door with an idea that you are loved by the people on the other side, that you are loved on the inside, and that you can bring your whole self through that door. There is some powerful, innate feeling inside men that we don't tap into, that we do not acknowledge in many cases, and military dads, through the struggle that is what we do, get caught up in this trap that we can't be who we want to be, and we need to be someone that the military told us we needed to be. And it is the mission of this podcast to cut through that filter, to give you the path, the tools, and the information that you need to come home and be the best dad that you can be, to go from that dad that you are today to the dad that you are tomorrow. Well, this episode, we are in for a treat because one, I talk about my beard and I haven't really talked about my beard in the podcast pretty much probably ever other than maybe a few different times. And a beard is something that I grew in 2020 and I still have the beard as a recording of this. I recorded this episode way back in October, which seems like forever ago, considering the amount of, when you listen to this conversation, if you've been listening to the other episodes since then, you'll realize there's a little bit of a time gap here. And some of the things that I'm talking about or that I'm really thankful for have completely exploded. One simple thing is the kids were in school back when this episode was recorded. And through most of the last two months, as you know, they were not. So lots of changes in this episode. And this episode with Brett Gibson goes into a path of just almost simplicity of trying to find our better path, find new roads, as this episode is titled, because what Brett Gibson had to do, it didn't have to do it, but he felt like he had this itch, is the best way probably to describe it, to go into entrepreneurship. And just the way that he unpacks it, and overall is just a great man, husband, and 
father to a stepdaughter and just a great guy all around. And one of the other cool things about Brett is he owns Gibby's Beard Company. Now, being a guy that just grew a beard, I don't know a lot about beard oil. I knew beard oil existed, but I did not know a lot about beard oil. Now, Brett sent me a sample of the different products that he sells, and I went through them and I tested them, and I have the biggest irony that this Marine has ever been served on the podcast that my favorite scent is actually the Chair Force blend. And being a Marine and identifying that I was like, man, what is the best blend that he sends me? The one that I like the most have to be called Chair Force. And as a Marine, like there's just this dichotomy of the Air Force and the Marine. So it's ironic that that is the one blend that I fell in love with. So if you're looking for a recommendation, I would highly check out the Chair Forest blend that he has on his website. And if you were looking for a discount code, he has kindly given us a discount code of First 20. And if you forget that code, it's down there in the show notes along with a link to his website to get your first order. Can't help but recommend the products enough. Great stuff. Great man behind the product and a fellow veteran. So you're helping support a veteran in the community and grow his brand and mission to just have a life and freedom that he wants within his family and in his life. So guys, well, I've rambled enough. So let's get started with today's episode on finding new roads with Brett Gibson. And as always, if you want my big takeaway of the podcast, stay tuned on the other side of this episode and I'll be back on the microphone. Welcome to the podcast, Brett. Hey, thanks for having me, Ben. Appreciate it. This is something personal related to something that I've grown on my face this year, which is if you've been following the podcast for a while, I grew a beard this year. Still trying to figure out what I want to do with it. Still trying to figure out exactly the right recipe of where the length. And what I liked about Brett when he came into my life was that he sells beard oil. And I instantly, I had a whole bunch of questions for him. He sent me to his FAQs and I was really impressed with the overall product and brand. And so I invited him on the podcast, talk about his beard oil, but then also talk about his story because he is a veteran and a husband and he understands these different things and understanding entrepreneurship is something that we often don't really recognize as veterans as something is a path for us to follow. So that's why I wanted to highlight Brett's story. Welcome to the podcast, Brett. Right, thanks. Appreciate it, man. Can you go ahead and unpack your story a little bit and how you maybe ended up selling beard oil coming from the air force all the way to a entrepreneur selling beard oil? Yeah. So it's something I've never actually thought about ever doing. Like it didn't even become something until last year about this time. So my wife, she owns a salon and uh, we were making cuticle oil for her salon for her clients. And I was always buying beard oil from like Walmart, whatever I saw online. And I wear a duty vest at work every day. It's like a black duty vest. And with my beard, I still get like that beard dandruff and nothing seemed to be working. So I did a bunch of research I'm like, beard oil is practically almost the same stuff we're putting in this cuticle oil. I'll just mix me up a bunch of this and start using it. So I just started using it. And then my buddies have beards at work. So they started using it and then they got me to sell it. And so that's kind of how it started. It started as something that I was just using just for myself and my buddies. So kind of evolved from a hobby to now trying to make this something natural business. That's, I want to ask maybe an odd question, almost for my own personal curiosity. You have a pretty healthy beard. How long does, did you go before you even knew beard oil was a thing? Because uh, I feel like it's something that until you even just like, like until you have that problem and you don't even really know you have that problem and you don't even really know there's a solution, you don't even really know that beard oil is an entire like 
mecca of its own product line and its own little niche that no one ever notices until you have a beard? Yeah. So I grew a beard when I got out of the military at first, when I first got out of the military and I knew nothing about beard oil, beard balm, beard wash or anything like that. <clears throat> and I always had a nasty beard, like dandruff, ice beard. That was the part of having a beard. So that was back in 2012. So 2019, I had been growing it for about three months. And that's when I started noticing the dandruff when I was wearing like black shirts or my tack vest. And honestly, it's kind of embarrassing. It's like having dandruff in your hair. When you have black dandruff all down your shirt, I mean, that doesn't look very good. So that's why I started researching beard oil and getting into using beard oil. And my wife, like I said, she owns a salon and she was able to get some products that from whatever store, you know. So that's kind of how I got into using beard oil. So let's unpack something. So I'm curious if there's something in this timeline where you are today that's rooted when you first started. What were you looking for when you first joined the Air Force? Um, so I always wanted to be a cop and I couldn't be a cop until I was 21 in Utah. And uh, so I joined the Air Force when I was 18, but didn't leave till I was 19. So I figured that was a way that I could go be a cop and then uh, come back and then be a cop, you know. So that was pretty much the reason. The other reason I was in college and I was failing and my parents weren't going to pay for it no more. So I was like, well, I better go do something because I'm going to fail out of college here. Did you have a pretty good idea that the cop was what you wanted to do or is it just what felt right at the time? That's what I wanted to do. So my dad was in the Air Force. He was security forces like an MP as well. And then he went into law enforcement when he got out of the military. So it's just something I've always just been around. Was he in the military while you were alive? Uh, no, no. So I, this is maybe another interesting question to go backwards a little bit as a son to a military father who has after getting out of the military, was there anything in particular about him and being a military dad that you remember that you really enjoyed or that you probably felt was different because he was a military dad? He's super strict. And I'm guessing that's because of the military, like super strict, antisocial, doesn't talk to his kids like you know like you think a dad would you know it's like white and black type thing i would say that was a little bit different having that being raised that way where it's kind of just like black and white and no like real connection with your kids type thing i don't know like did you feel like you could bring a topic to him and ask him a question if you wanted to or was it kind of like don't bring me problems i bring you the money and i provide for you and that's enough um, you could bring him a problem. Like you could go to him and be like, Hey, I have this issue. And he'd be like, Oh, okay. <laughs> it's like, Oh, all right. Well, thanks. I don't know how to, you know, not going to fix it for me. He's not going to do anything about it, but you could tell him and he'd just be like, Oh, all right. And that's something that I, I've noticed with a lot of military dads from that generation. And even just military dads of this generation, when we hold on to that military programming of not being able to let go, not being able to be ourselves, to not almost turn our back on the emotions because the military programs us that emotions will get us killed. Our ego is a mechanism that we use to stay alive in battle and wherever, especially MP, like you're always trying to protect yourself. You're, that, that's your ego going to keep you alive there. And like that part is the part that is that armor. And 
we need to be able to armor down so that we can daddy up. And that's a new term that I'm still going to start using because I've just found a program called that armor down and daddy up. And I've really liked the program that I've been working with over there. It's a guy named the name of Ben King. And essentially that's that what we need to make sure we pull down is that armor down because then we can let those dad turn dad mode turn on. Have you made a conscious effort to change that as you have a stepdaughter in your life now? Is that something you consciously are aware of to make sure that you can be able to change that behavior so you're not the same? I think about that all the time. So I'm like, okay, she did something. What would my dad have done? Would have yelled at me? Okay, maybe I shouldn't yell at her for this. You know what I mean? Type of thing. But then maybe I will get after her for something. And then I'm like, well, that really wasn't that big of a deal. When you think about it in the big spectrum of things. It's not that big of a deal, you know. There's a question that I was like, I use it through references for when when shit hits a fan because my kids are eight, six, and four. So like, there's always references that I can use it against. And I always ask myself, will this matter 10, 15, 25 years down the road? Like, is this that moment that being a hard ass is going to make her a better adult or him a better adult? And nine times out of 10, you're like, yeah, this isn't going to. This is in the weeds. This isn't going. And most of the time, what we're doing in those moments is we're just trying to prove a story in our head. We're trying to validate or just even try to hide from something in our own life. And we're trying to use this moment to get control over that. And it's really about us and not even about them when you actually truly get radically honest with you. Yeah. And then you feel bad, you know, like, and they're sad. You're like, why did I even get mad about something so stupid? You know, (laughs) I guess that's just how it is. So let's maybe dive into, where do you think your entrepreneur spirit came from? You knew what you wanted to do when you came, when you went into the Air Force. You probably had some idea when you left the Air Force. You probably had the idea like, oh, I can just convert to being a cop in, on the outside, right? Yeah. Yep. So what were you doing prior to opening your beard company? Did you ever get so a chance my, to be a cop on the outside? <clears throat> so my beard company is kind of like, it's not our full-time thing. So when I got out of the military, I went to college then I worked for the IRS and then I was bored at the IRS. So then I did become a police officer. Yeah. So currently I am a police officer. I might not look like it, but I'm assigned to a special unit that I don't have to look like a cop. So that's why I got the beard, able to grow a beard. So yeah, I'm still am in law enforcement. I'm still a police officer. I just play a different role in what typical police officer is. So I just was reminded of, I don't know whether this is going to upset you, offend you or not, but I'm going to say it anyhow because it's my podcast and I can that. You just <laughs> kind of reminded me when you, the way you're dressed right now and the way you said that I just went into almost bad boys mode and they have their badge hanging around their chest with a chain and they're part of the narcotics group that can dress however they want and go into and do their job however they want. And yes. that you're the kind of guy that would just walk around with your badge on a chain on his neck. Definitely not a chain on my neck, but in my pocket. I keep it in my pocket, um, but it's a badass job, man. Like today, all I did was went and hike the mountains. Like that was my job, what I got paid to do. So, Ooh, that made pretty cool. Can't <laughs> figure out any big truths for your life when you're up there because you're up that high, or when you're up in those mountains, that's like when you really start seeing the the smallness of your life, but then you also see the abundance of life around you. Yeah, I would if I was around a different company, but you know how. Cops are the same as military. All they want to do is talk shit. And oh, so you're not by yourself. You're out around. there with... Uh, no, others. with a bunch of dudes. Yeah, we had four of us out hiking. But so, yeah, it's just pretty much talking shit and 
joking around the whole time, but do they, are they similar to you like just married or do they have kids and stuff? Yeah. So our entire unit, everybody is married and not everybody has kids. Some of them are younger and don't have any kids yet, but yeah, they all have kids and we're pretty much all the same type of personality. So we all get along. It's pretty much, I don't know how your time in the Marines was, but I was in the air force, like we were deployed, you were with like 13 people and that's it for your entire deployment. That's who you spend your time with. And it's kind of like that. So I'm with a group of people and that's the only people I deal with, you know, every day. So that's, I bet that was really reassuring when you got out because you really had that same feeling that you had when you were in and you never felt like you lost your tribe. Yeah, no, for sure. Definitely. And that's what most people, when they uh, transition out, they don't even realize what they're losing. And then once it's gone, they don't really know what they had and they don't really know how to recreate it. Yeah, definitely. So when I got out, I was living with all my buddies who were also getting out at the same time, you know, or they were still in, we just had a big house and we had a bunch of us living there. And then they slowly start moving back home to their States where they're from. And so then before you know it, like nobody's left and you're like, well, I better go find something else then, you know? So, but yeah, going into law enforcement is definitely really similar to military. Are you the first entrepreneur in your family then too? Yeah. Yeah. My dad has always said just, just work for the government, guaranteed paycheck every two weeks. You are the first guy I've ever met that worked for the IRS. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of paperwork. That's all I can, I can imagine there's a lot of paperwork in the IRS. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, it's a good job though, but it's a lot of paperwork. That's like any government job. Yeah. Any government job's a good job. Yeah. Yeah. So I have to also, another question related to entrepreneurship. A lot of veterans, including myself, we get in our heads and we don't think we can do it. Where did you get your F what other people say attitude? And I'm just going to do it because it takes a lot of balls just to go out there and say, I'm going to be an entrepreneur and not get in your own head and launch something. I can't tell you how many times I got in my head in the last five years. Yeah. I still get in my head. Like every day I'm like, tell my wife I'm shutting down (laughs) all our ads, no more advertising, not going to reach out to anybody. I'm sick and tired of dealing with this. I've spent all my money into this company. You know what I mean? I feel like Um, I have an extra child. (laughs) Right. Exactly. It's like, man, it's just another bill. I have to keep paying all this money because advertising's not cheap. I don't know if you do ads like on Facebook or anything, but it's not cheap to run those ads. But when I pretty much said, fuck it, I'm just going to do whatever I want. And I, what I had in my back of my head, because my dad would always say, just take that government check, you know, it's guaranteed. And I'm like, nah, fuck that. I don't want that. I'm going to try something out. You know, like I get your smart dude. You've probably been through a lot, but fuck it. I'm going to give it a shot. You know, did you have any brothers and sisters? One sister, she was older than me. She's three years older than me. So we weren't super close. She says we were super close as kids, but I don't remember being super close as kids. So probably do she, right. Probably. Um, but yeah, just one sister. So did she go off on the road and rebel a little bit and come up, chart her own path or did she adopt the advice of just get a government job and keep her head down? So she got married super early and then started having kids and then got divorced, you know, like really early on. Um, but she wasn't a really rebellious at all. No, she just, she was kind of the straight A student at school, you know, get the good job. So she went to nursing school and she became a nurse, pretty much just followed what my mom did. So, 
this might be a little bit close, but I'm going to try going there a little bit. When you think of what you've had in your um, upbringing and just what you've had as an adult, are you a little bit scared to have kids yourself? Is there some fear inside that you might repeat a mistake that has happened and it might not be enough? I don't know if it'd be a mistake, like repeat a mistake, but I honestly don't want to bring like more kids into this world. You know what I mean? It's like an evil place right now. And it's like, I don't want to bring a kid into this and have to deal with what's going on. You know, like it's weird, like looking at our daughter who's nine and she can get on TikTok and watch TikTok and knows how to scroll through it all, you know? And it's like, I don't want to have another kid who knows what's going to be available in nine years, you know, what they're going to see on a phone or things like that. There's, you know, it's a lot of evil stuff out there. I know I have two daughters and I kind of, this is my litmus test, whether I make it as a good father is does she derive her value from inside herself or does she get it from Instagram? And like, if <laughs> yeah. I can win that, if I can get her to believe that what her opinion of herself is the one that matters and the likes of followers does not have any relationship to the value of a human being you are, I've won because so much of like the one thing that terrifies me is girls go to Instagram to get value and to feel loved. And it's like, there's a statistic out there that just even hugging your daughter, giving the affection from a father to a daughter decreases by 60% that they'll have sex by the age of 12. Like wow. even just some of that connection, like just being present with your daughter can change how she shapes herself and goes into the world. Because if she doesn't feel the connection to her father, which the best way to describe it is you're her first love. And every man that she meets is always compared to her father. And so if you just set the bar pretty low, then you've got a lot to be scared of. You probably will have a shotgun at the door. But if you set the bar very high for yourself and what you were able to accept, how you lived, did you accept excuses? Did you continue to push? Like she's never going to settle until she finds that guy that lives up to dad. Like when I first read that book, it was called Strong Father, Strong Daughters. It really scared me. But as now my, I read it when my daughter was made like one. So it really wasn't even applicable yet. But now I really get excited because I see her making choices in this category. And I also see the trust within that category with all my kids. We actually just had parent teacher conferences tonight and a lot of what they were saying, I already knew. And it reinforced a lot of what I've been doing. And there's this saying that I say is um, make sure you're there for the little things in their life because then they'll bring you the big things. And it was just nice to see that hopefully this is still an experiment, but it, I saw breadcrumbs tonight of it working as well. Well, that's good. That's awesome. Um, so, Quick question. Yep. How's your guys' school? How are you guys dealing with COVID? Your kids like at school? So we are in person. They have a virtual option, but we did some uh, webinars with them in the beginning of the school year for the district. And we just got a really good vibe of trust with the leadership at the school, which is kind of an odd feeling to have. But I like they. I felt like they were making as good of a decision as anybody could with all the things going on. And so we sent them in person and everything. There's been a few positive cases, but they've got it really isolated. The kids don't really come in contact with anybody outside their cohort, which is a group of like 10 kids. And so they know who's around who. And it's been actually really good. The kids have been doing really well. They've been adapting. They enjoy going to school. So for right now, knock on wood, it's been a really good experience so far. That's good. I'm always curious how different places handle it because even being in Southern Utah and then going to Salt Lake, which is only four hours away, still in the same state. It's like you're in two different worlds, you know, of how they're treating this whole thing. So that's why I was curious 
how your Does area your stepdaughter go to school in person in Southern Utah? Yep. So they're just required to wear masks. That's what we have. The it. They have the mask and then they have really strict, just you stay within your cohort. You don't move to different places. Um, they don't go to like music and art class. The art class is like done on their smart board, I think. And they do it on their iPads or submit their artwork on their iPad. So. Okay. So yeah, pretty similar. And even for my wife is the same. They have like only have like 10 kids because the rest of them went virtual. So, I mean, there's a lot more stress because of the cleaning from the teacher perspective, but as a parent and a dad, I feel like our school district is doing as good as they can. And they let us know when things happen. They can't tell you obviously what happens because of yeah. medical law, but they, I, my trust is still with the district that I haven't regretted making that decision so far. Wisconsin is on the wrong kind of list right now. We're like number one in the nation or number two in the nation for rising cases. So me and my wife do have this fear that the whole dominoes is going to crash, even if the schools have it under control, just because they're going to freak out on us. But we'll see what happens. It'll probably well, all go away on November 5th, if you believe that conspiracy. You're getting the spike because of the football season, all those Green Bay Packer fans, you know, having their little parties together. They're definitely probably having parties because Lambeau yeah. still hasn't allowed anybody in that. I just read an article that Lambeau, like the city of uh, Green Bay, might go broke because of the revenue this year. So, It'll be interesting Jeez. what happens. And but Packers are such diehard Packer fans. I'm a Bears fan, so I get to make fun of them. Uh, but just watching it, they're really all into that game more than I am, especially as a Bears fan. Yeah, my roommate, he's from or my roommate when I was in the military, he was from Wisconsin. And so he was a diehard Green Bay Packer fan, you know. So you, does Utah follow a football team? Do you guys adopt any of them around you? Or is it just kind of like fair weather fans? You can pick whatever one you want out of the 50 states? Just pick whatever one's winning. That's the way I do it. <laughs> whatever team's winning, that's the one you go with. That's why I got a bunch of jerseys, different teams, you know. Whoever's winning, just throw that jersey on. You're probably but pretty close to Vegas, aren't you? Yeah, so we have Vegas now. So Now you can adopt the hard... Raiders very closely. Yeah, that's such a hard team. That's such a white trash team to want to follow. The Raiders, but yeah, that's the closest team is Vegas. To me, I'm not, I, I, I've never really been a diehard sports fan. My dad never got into it, so I've just kind of kept up on it just so you can have a conversation with another guy, kind of like this conversation. Even like baseball, I, I'm more about the experience. Of, like I love the experience of baseball, the experience of football, and so I don't get so hung up. Like any football stadium would be a good football stadium because it's like, especially if you're with your kids or your family, like to me, I'm so much more into the experience of what's going on than the actual like, oh my God, they lost. My life's going to suck on Monday and I'm going to have the worst week ever. Like, I'm so disconnected from equating my life to the equate of the success of a football team. But I just like going and experiencing that type of environment and just being around that different kind of energy that you get in a sports game. And Yeah, that's true. There is a different type of energy at a sports game. Like we went to uh, the Golden Knights, Vegas Golden Knights game. My wife's not a huge sports fan at all, but she was like into it. You know what I mean? Like it's totally different when you're there and watching it, people around you, you know, so it's fun. So let's go forward into the future a little bit. We already flirted by the you're going to have a kid and it sounds like it's a maybe when, when things change a little bit. Let's go a little bit further. Let's imagine your beard oil business is completely just rocking it. You've been able to not be a police officer anymore. You're a full-time beard oil salesman. What does your ideal life look like? Have you really started like describing the why of what you want your business and the lifestyle that you want to create on the other side of success for it? Yeah. So 
I look at, I have a friend that I went to high school with and he started like an online business, you know, and he's very successful with it. And like what he came out and said about why he started a small company was to spend time with his family, you know, to be with his family, be all, all those events, spend all that time together. And it's like, that's what me and my wife want. Cause if I'm, if I have a day off and I'm like, Oh, I can hang out with somebody. It's going to be my wife, you know, like I would much rather hang out with my wife than anybody else. So the ideal vision would be for both of us to be at home or at the office, whatever it is, warehouse, whatever we have and being able to work together. So do you think you want to build the business to be nomadic? So that way you're not tethered to Utah that you could actually move around. Do you have any desire to be a floater? Uh, we have or a camper guy, to maybe Costa Rica. <laughs> Costa Rica. I, I would be get behind to Costa Rica. I've House yeah. Hunters International has definitely got me wide enough view of the American dream to understand that there's nothing wrong with ending your life in Costa Rica in retirement. Yeah, hundred percent. Like we, th- I still think about that. Like we've asked our daughter, we're like, hey, what if we just sell everything and move to Costa Rica? And she's like, no, I'm like, well, what if we sell everything and live in a motorhome and travel the world? No. It's like, man, if I was a kid and my parents came with me, said that like, yeah, let's do that. You know, I want to move to Costa Rica. I want to travel the world, but she just uh, doesn't want to. Something to maybe think about there. And it's something that a Navy SEAL Andy Stump gave me like almost like probably like 80 episodes ago is is as a father, we have the ability, especially as military dads, we lived a really adventurous life. And it's up to us to really give that gift to our kids and let them understand how adventurous life can be. And he described it perfectly like it's our job as a dad to give our kids a wider view of the American dream than we had. And it could be maybe, I don't know how much you do it, but if you, you almost need to get her outside of her life in different ways, adventures, and just to do like completely random things that maybe don't make sense, but just are fun to see what happens because the more they get outside their life, the more they can see where their life is headed. And I always describe it like it's very difficult for a kid to figure out where they need to go in life in 12 years while they're sitting in their life for 12 years. Like they need to get outside, get completely outside the system, get outside of what normal people do every day and just see the world and a different way. And then they can see like, Oh man, I fit into the world in this way. So maybe you just need to expand her perspective a little bit. Oh yeah, I totally agree. Um, if maybe she saw more than what's on an iPad or, you know, on her TV or her friends, you know, she'd like, that stuff sucks. I want to go do the zip lining in Costa Rica or swimming with the dolphins in Mexico, you know, type thing. Or if it's like so, my eight year old, I'm sure it's a lot of whatever the world looks like on roadblocks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I hate that game. I don't know what I would have done with <laughs> Roblox as a kid. I probably would have been just as addicted as my daughter is. But man, I haven't actually, I should probably Google who's behind Roblox. I feel like it's some dominant empire that's trying to take over kids' minds because they are hooked China. on that game for so many different things. China. It could be. So maybe it's a new TikTok. It'd be, yeah. Getting our information. That's all right. Yeah. But... So let's maybe go a little bit further. You've got your perfect life. You're having that intentional time with family. Where is a dream place that you would love to go on vacation if everything works out? Um, so we Costa went- Rica, so you can go ahead and say Costa Rica. But like if you yeah. had $20,000, you had, a, say you have the summer off because your daughter's in school. Like you're like, because my perfect world is I work 10 months out of the year. 
and we just get in a vehicle and an airplane maybe in the future someday, hopefully. And we just go away for two months out of the summer and we come back when school starts. I would say um, Mexico. So we went to Mexico earlier this year and that was a really good trip. Um, she loved it. Our daughter loved Mexico and I think my wife would agree, you know, like it was a good family bonding time, like the atmosphere. Like we literally hopped in a cab, had no idea who the person was. They could have taken us and raped us, you know, but they were super nice. Like, I don't know, just felt like a good, I don't know, place to be. Like it was, felt like home type thing, you know, like it wasn't, oh, I'm scared for my life or anything like that. Like it was a really good place to like bond. Everybody's super nice. And your stepdaughter went with you? Yeah. Yep. Any, did she see anything coming from back? Like, or any, did she talk about anything differently after seeing Mexico? Cause that's a completely different world for a child to start seeing. She loved it. Cause she likes the ocean and she likes to swim. So that was, we were right there at the beach. Another good example of getting kids outside of their life and like, how many kids have never seen the ocean, never even understand if they really love the ocean? Do they want a career with the ocean? Like, this is all the reasons why you need to get outside of your life to figure out how your kids can fit into it. And the crazy part is if you help them get out wide enough, they'll actually figure out how they can, and they'll usually get courage enough because they see so many people living their life in ways that they're not used to. They'll actually have the courage to go out and try to change it. Like they can actually try to, to go out and do it and make a positive impact in the world. Yeah, that's true. I haven't really thought about it like that. So let's go maybe back to your beard oil company. Tell us a little bit more about some of the brands and some of the different, because uh, you've got some interesting names in some of the oils. And I'm always curious, how do you name an oil? And also even some of the smells that I've had in some of the first ones. The It seems extremely interesting. So how do you design a beard oil fragrance? Because that seems like I might as well be working for Chanel and trying to figure out how to <laughs> design Chanel number no. five and pulling my hair out. Right. So the smells and developing all that is really tricky. It's like you can't please everybody. Right. So I might make something. Everybody hates it, but there's 10 people that like it. You know, it's, it's really weird. So I go based off of what I like and what my wife likes. Um, have you got your order? In? Have you got your samples that we sent you in? And they arrived yet? Okay. They'll probably be there and they usually ship in like two to three days or they usually arrive within two to three days. But we came up, I came up with those names. I was just like, I want to make it military names and kind of a military look, but I don't want to be like in your face, veteran known. This is military. You know what I mean? I'm using the military and veteran as a crutch to start a company type thing. So I mean, it might look like that because I use the military names, but I like the military names. And we had, had my buddy who did most of my tattoos on me. He drew up and we just, I just went and said, hey, these are the names that I'm looking f- that I'm going to use possibly for beard oil scents. Not that the names don't have anything to do with what the scent is itself. Um, but draw something up that you think would look good. That's the old school tattoo kind of like the old navy style you know and so he drew those designs for me but to go back to the scents the way we come up with our scents is we order a bunch of different scents and then we mix them all together and we kind of decide what we think smells best 
And so it's pretty much trial and error. You spend a lot of time researching trial and error. What is the original component for a fragrance? Like what is the scent raw material? So it's all natural oils. So like do you go to Young Living website and order a bunch of samples? (laughs) No, we we don't go to Young Living. (laughs) I try it though. No, we we have a supplier who uh, has all the different oil fragrances. And then we just order the ones that we want and then we mix them together. Is it kind of like the namings of like the essential oil, like lavender and all these weird different oils that they sell just for beard special fit uh, suppliers? Yeah. So it's for skincare, not specifically just for beards, but it's for all types of skincare or like shampoos, soaps, all that type of stuff. It's all the same sense or fragrance based oil stuff. Um, But yeah, it's all. So you have like sandalwood, you got peppermint, citrus, you name it, vanilla, uh, patchouli, coffee, oats, pretty much any type of thing you can think of. They have a scent for that. How they make that scent, I'm not sure how they make it. You just know where to buy it and then what to do with it. I just know where to buy it and mix it (laughs) and proportion it and get the science part of it down the percentages and stuff like that you mentioning so. science I, I imagine that if you're ever gonna go find your high school science teacher and tell them you now cook beard oil on your stove using chemistry would they believe that believe what you told them yeah no because i had to get a <laughs> passing grade by cleaning the desk on the last day of my chemistry class so he definitely would not believe that i know percentages or percentages of mixtures and things like that yeah no and i can imagine the irony that you had to eat in your head like wow that shit really does matter (laughs) yeah it does because if you go say like a beard wash for example if you put too high of a percentage of scent into your beard wash that scent will actually break down the chemicals inside of that beard wash and you'll get like separation and you'll have all sorts of weird things with your beard wash so you have to know what percentages you can and what you can't for each product because it could break down those oils. So it's kind of weird. But. So let's maybe go towards your business a little bit. So you're a brand new business owner. What advice would you want to give for someone starting a business this month in COVID that you've learned in the first few months of owning your business during COVID? I would, I would suggest find somebody to mentor you find somebody that's successful listen to what they have to say don't argue with them if they give you advice or tell you what to do don't be like well what if i do it this way just do what they tell you because they're already successful in doing what they're doing so listen and learn it's free advice i mean if you can find somebody that can mentor you and building your co- your podcast for instance like what equipment do i need what recording information do I need what chords do I need? What software do I need? You're not going to argue with that person. Be like, well, I think this one's better. You're just going to listen to them. Be like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to follow those exact same steps. I think that's the best way to fast track your success is to find a mentor that will be willing to put the time in to you and uh, help you out with it. It's interesting when you start a business like that, because I remember when I, I was like in month one of my podcast, 
And I already had people asking me like, Hey, how do you launch a podcast? I'm like, I am not really, the, I, I, I said this in my head. I still answered their question, but I'm like, I just started like, you already think I'm authority figure. I haven't even, all I know is I'd hit publish and talk on a microphone. Like I'm still at step one here. Like it, and it's, it doesn't have to be very far ahead before people start looking at, I'm sure by the end of the year, you'll probably have people already asking you like, Hey, how did you do this? Like, what was your, your secret sauce? And there's something there. I like about your advice there for mentorship that I learned as well. When I went to military IMSA conference in 2018, being able to see someone physically and understand what they're doing and like be with that energy is very emotionally and comforting because your brain often, like I know I found it in the first few years of blogging, meeting someone on the internet or just following someone on the internet. Like I feel like my brain didn't really think it was possible. Like it saw it, but it was just electrons yet. Like it wasn't physical. And the moment you start bringing a physical aspect of your dream, or more importantly, meeting someone that has your life, they're just living a couple months ahead of you, or maybe a decade ahead of you. You're like, that guy is exactly where I want to be. Like your brain immediately understands like, oh, wow, it must be possible. I no longer have to keep lying to you. And hopefully you give up and quit. Like we can actually do this if we put our head to the, and like, there's so much mental space there that just finding a person that can prove it, like a dadpreneur, finding other dadpreneurs, or in my case, I've been looking forward to stay-at-home dads that are dadpreneurs that balance all the things that go with housework, cooking, and taking care of kids, as well as having a business that produces money. Finding people like that, finding your people, like that can do so much to lessen the burden of starting a business and just putting the rubber to the road and getting it done. Yeah, I can definitely make you fast track you know what i mean if you don't if you don't have a mentor i don't know how did you have a mentor when you started a podcast or did you try to just figure it out on your own i had been listening to enough podcasts so i kind of thought i knew enough but then i had i didn't necessarily like have a direct mentor but i bought some several different products that walked me through the process so i had a i had a bunch i bought john lee dumas's podcast journal and he's really he's an expert at the podcast and he makes a million and a half dollars a year at it and so i followed his workbook and that got me to launch phase and then i kind of just kept bringing the biggest thing when I found mentors for podcasting is when I went to PodFest, which is a conference and then podcast movement. There you find so many, not just mentors, you just find people doing different things with podcasting that you never thought were possible. Like it's a very interesting idea because podcasting is just a tool and there's so many niches surrounding that tool. And when you have a conference like PodFest or podcast movement, it's just a tool you have every walk of life. You have people that have knitting podcasts and all different kinds of podcasts that come together. And you're like, there's a podcast about that. Like who would have thought that you wouldn't have known that. And so you just get such a wider view of like, Hey, I can incorporate that idea from a healthcare industry podcast into mine. I would never have had access to a, a friend in the healthcare industry about how they run their podcast. Oh, okay. Gotcha. That makes sense. But yeah, it's, and it's, it's not, especially in podcasting, there's so many different products out there to get you that almost immediately when someone comes to my life with a question, I almost like, I start trying to knock out as many excuses that they have. Cause I feel like podcasting is one of those that everybody wants to do it. People talk themselves out of it daily and it's just a bunch of simple questions that they've never looked for the answer. So their brain uses it as an excuse to, to not launch. So I try to knock out as many as I can in those moments because I know how much has changed my life and I want them to get there that as well, because it's just so easy to quit podcasting like your business. It would take a, a good amount of time to shut down your business. Podcasting, you just stop publishing. So 
it's, right. it's very easy to quit and you have to get past that initial momentum. So I always try to jump into people's lives and like, what do you got? I can just like, bam, bam. I mean, I, at PodFest, I can gift an entire podcast almost in 20 minutes to someone. I can give them the name, the idea, the funnel, the objectives, how it'll organize for their business. Because I'm like, everybody needs a podcast and I love just getting the people excited about it. Yeah, no, I think it's an awesome networking tool. You know what I mean? Like not for, for me, I don't have a podcast, but I think it's a good networking tool that I'm able to go onto podcasts like yours and talk about my experiences or my business and things like that. You know, like I think it helps out both, both parts, you know, it helps me out by getting public speaking and talking about our business. Cause we don't really think about our business. We just do it type thing. So when someone's actually asking us, it's like, Oh, well, yeah. Why, why did do I do, I do that? it that way? <laughs> yeah. Why, why did I do that? So I think podcasting is good on both ends, you know, and then you also get not saying I'm going to give you anything and, you know, I'm not going to bring you a million followers or anything like that, but you know, I can say, Hey, I was on this podcast. You should check them out. Type thing. So I think it works. Both You're not ways. at the black rifle coffee stage yet. Dude, they're right up, you know, they're right here in town, but you know, they're in the same town as you. No, no, they're in Salt Lake, but they're in oh. the same state up there. You know, I was going to say, I, I know they're in the them. same area. The only person like, I've sent some beard oil to some celebrity type people, maybe not celebrities, but like Instagram bodybuilding type celebrities and uh, the muscle. Do you know who the muscle is on? You watch Diesel Brothers or know anything about Diesel Brothers? Nope. Okay. So I talked to him and I've sent him beard oil. So, I mean, yeah. And no. in this case, I, I, I this is kind of funny as I think about it. I always say on different podcasts I go on, you're always one conversation away from something amazing and you're going to miss 100% of the shots you don't take. In your case, you're one beard and sample oil kid away from someone amazing saying like, oh, I love that. Like That's all. <laughs> that's what I'm looking for, man. So, you know, like I think marketing, the one thing I do remember from before I filled out of college the first time, marketing, they said it's like 90% of your business is marketing. You know, it's, it's how you put it out there and your customer service and stuff like that. And I feel like, yeah, you're right. It's one, one TikTok away from being successful, really. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Looking, and you only uh, fail when you quit. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen the video 420 dog face or whatever that is, where he's drinking the cranberry juice, listening to Fleetwood Mac, but he was a nobody. And then he blew that song up. So it's just one, one step away. That's it. And what you're talking about is applies to not just entrepreneurship is when you, I mean, I was on a podcast way back in 2016 and I didn't have anything to talk about other than my experience. What you don't realize is when you just like, even if you were transitioning out, I would give this advice, like find podcasts that are willing to give you a chance to talk because the more you articulate your story, the more times you have to think about it, the more times you think about it, your brain gets used to putting that story together, the better the story gets being able to sell yourself like to an interview or a job, whatever it may be to a business. If you are a business owner, like the ability to understand and how to sell your value is a skill that is very not taught enough. And podcasting is such a great way to get your brain used to articulating your own value. And every time you talk on a podcast, you get a little bit better. You get a little bit shorter, get a little bit more, less ums, and you don't have to think about it. You just rattle it off. And then you get something that like people start resonating with because you've been working at it so much. Like, Someone can go on a podcast and be like, wow, that guy's amazing. Well, he probably went on a hundred podcasts before that. I think I'm up to like 35 myself. Like 
you, you don't just wake up one day good at articulating your story. Yeah, for sure. Like after tonight, I'm going to me and my wife are probably going to be like, oh, man, I probably should have said this part of our business, you know, or this is what we did, you know, or. And this maybe. is free marketing. And the best part about this marketing is is in the, t- the time lapse of the Internet where it never goes away. So like a year from now, two years from now, someone could listen to this and buy a bird oil. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely true. Yeah. It's like timeless marketing. Like you do an hour's worth of work and that can lead dividends over a lifetime as long as the podcast is up and running. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I never really And Mark Zuckerberg doesn't get his share. Yeah. So as we wrap up this interview, there's always a question that I want to ask, and it's always wrapped up in your best piece of wisdom. I usually always ask it in the category of what advice you have out there for dads, but I'm going to go a little bit wider because I feel like you've gotten a little bit more seasoned life as an entrepreneur, as trying to figure shit out on the other side of transition. What's a piece of advice that you want every dad, every veteran that's listened to this podcast to know to maybe shortcut some of the learnings they have to go through or the pain maybe they have to get through to get where they need to be? I would say putting the dad side apart because then you would already have some sort of connection with somebody is find somebody that's similar to you and cares about the same type of thing as you do. Like my wife, me and her, like she supports me in whatever I do, you know, whether it's A, B or C, she's like, yeah, I support you. You know what I mean? So find your support base that can get you through the shitty times of a business. So find who's your support base is, whether it's a friend, family member, coworker, veteran somebody to be there for you when it's really shitty you know because it is going to get shitty regardless there is a you are speaking the truth brother because there is something i speak all the time in the podcast i just did a episode last week on fatherhood friday where i was talking to the dad that lies to himself every day that answers good and fine to his when someone asks him how he's doing but he's really not doing good and fine and they're just lying to themselves Because the truth that I speak in this podcast over and over, and you just hit it on the head, is that for millennia, men did life in tribes. We had people ahead of us. We had people behind us. It was never on us to figure everything out. And the most important principle, life will always give us more than we can handle. And you need people around you that care that you're here to share the load with. You need to be able to go up to someone and say, I am not having a good day and I'm having very disturbing thoughts and not run and say like, okay, let's dive into it. Like, you need men in your life like that. And like we had that for millennia and in the last 100 years, men thought we could do it alone. Yeah, for sure. Um, And that can go with anything, you know, like you said, it could be coming out of the military, starting a business, starting a new job, starting a new relationship, anything. It's just find that support base to get you through that time, you know? And everything is a season. Nothing is permanent. Just like the seasons change every year. There's four seasons. There's multiple seasons to your life. Even to like your, when you're a dad, you, you said your stepdaughter came into your life when, when she was one. Like so many of those early years, like you feel like, God, am I ever going to get a full night's sleep again? And you just, <laughs> you, ex, you feel like there's a permanent feeling to that. And we don't have the recognition as human beings to slow down and say like, oh no, that's a stupid thought because it's going to end eventually here. Eventually it's going to be a different problem that they're going to be talking about. The next thing, you know, my daughter's only eight, but the next thing you know, she's going to be talking about boys and all these different questions. And I'm going to wish, God, it was so much easier when you just had to play cards or play whatever you had to play with them that day. And it's all different seasons and it's always changing. And that's the part that we don't often really feel in our heart and feel in our life that, 
whatever shit you're going through, whatever you're feeling, it's not permanent. It just needs to be felt, move past and move on. Yeah, for sure. I, uh, it's kind of funny you say that because now that she's nine, she's pretty much, she's independent, you know, like she goes to her friend's house, stays home alone from school or after school. She's pretty independent, but me and my wife, like on a Saturday, she'll be gone all day. And we're like, house is quiet. Where's Paisley? You know, like, why is she not home? Oh, she's out doing with her friends. She'd rather be with her friends, not at home. And so you kind of look back when she's like three, five years old, where she's always there. And you're like, man, I wish you would just go somewhere for the day, you know, or go to your friend's house. And now that's all they want to do is be gone. It reminds me of a, a quick story before we ended that I, there, it still happens. It's not, I'm still in this season of life. So I'm still in, enjoying it, but also in the misery. Like there were so many nights that we were, me and my wife would just, it would be a long day. We both had jobs at the time. We just want to watch Netflix like every other American in the United States at night. The kids just wouldn't go to bed. And it was always daddy, daddy, daddy. And it was usually my son or my youngest daughter, daddy, I need you. I need you. And they just wouldn't stop. And at first I was like pissed off. Like most dads probably would be, they would get irritated. I probably yelled a few times in the beginning, but then like, I don't know what gave me this perspective, but it hit me like there is going to be a day and it's just going to be a snap my fingers. And I'll never know when it was the last daddy, daddy, I need you from upstairs. And so I consciously lower my ego, get not get pissed because on the, in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't fucking matter. And I go upstairs and do it because at some point it will be the last time that that happens. And there will be a time that that's all I want back, even though in that moment it was anything that I wanted at that time. But I'm always constantly just trying to be as present as, as you possible and as you can in a pandemic and everything else that's going on, because you never know when it's the last time that they need you to carry them to bed, that they need you to tuck them in. It's just going to be one time they stop doing it. And a month later, you're like, wow, that was that's gone. And yeah. no one no one told me. <laughs> And it happens in a flash, you know, it's like, yeah, and there was day. never a, a banner or an email or anything that said, this will be the last time your child does this with you. And you should hold on to that memory before it goes away. Yeah. She no longer wants to hang out with you. She wants to be with her friends <laughs> yeah. Yeah. or on the tablet. Like you're no longer the <laughs> yeah. coolest person in town. Right. Exactly. So let's go ahead and let the audience know where can they get connected with this awesome beard oil and where's the best place to get a hold of you. So the best way to uh, buy the beard oil, we're an e-commerce business. Um, just go to www.gibbysbeardco.com. Um, make your order there. If you have any questions about our products or specials or anything like that, you can hit us up on Instagram or Facebook. And it's just, it's the same. It's Gibby's Beard Co. Whatever it is, the Facebook backslash Gibby's Beard Co. Or Instagram backslash Gibby's Beard Co. Or you can also email us. Um, that's how me and you were communicating was through email. And sometimes I feel like that's the best way to communicate with people because it almost seems more professional than Instagram or Facebook or anything like that and faster for me. Uh, I can't always be on the phone or I can't be on Instagram or Facebook for work, but I can always be on my email and answer questions. So hit us up on email. It's just gibbysbeardco at gmail.com if you have any questions. So do you have any discount code for the audience? Yeah. So we have a bunch of different discount codes and each code is good for one purchase. If it's your first order coming in to us, you can use code first 
20. So Foxtrot, India, Romeo, Sierra, Tango, 20. And then we also have a code right now going for the month of October. I didn't explain this in the podcast, but we donate beard oil to local law enforcement um, agencies that are growing beards for charity. So this year is for the wreaths for veterans. So they go and put wreaths on um, at the cemetery on gravestones for veterans. So we donate to those law enforcement agencies, the beard oil. So you can use uh, promo code blue line. Um, if you, if it's like your second order, if it's your first order, use first 20, if it's your second order, use blue line. That'll get you 20% off. Nice. Is there anything for November coming up for a discount code? Yeah. Not hundred percent sure this will air in October. Okay. So that's something we have we're looking at, we're just trying to figure out how we want to go about it, you know, as far as, cause there's so much competition in November and December. It's so we're definitely trying to a hairy we, month to try to yeah. pun intended there to try to break in. You got black Friday and you got November. Yeah. So like I said, in the law enforcement, we do no shave November, but we do no shave October, November and December for the agency we work for. So when this podcast airs, the guys I work with um, will be growing beards in our area. So that's kind of something that we look forward to for the charity portion of it. We like to give money or we're going to give money and we donate our beard oil to the local charities. That way they can go do whatever it is they do during the holiday season. So Awesome. Well, I will make sure that all of those links, if you missed them in the interview to in the show notes. So if you want to go ahead and use those discount codes, I will make sure that they are right down in the show notes for this page. And it'll be right down if you, in your podcast player that you're playing with. Thank you for coming on the podcast this episode. I loved it because we went in like many episodes. I, I feel like I say this every episode. We went into so many different places that I, we don't often go. And it's crazy i think about it every podcast has its own little flavor of it's kind of like beard oil we have so many different fragrances in this podcast and we talk about entrepreneurship we talk about fatherhood we talk about the military it's a good potpourri of all the different things that makes up a veteran because we aren't just one label we are a real person we have issues we've got things going on but then we've also got dreams which i loved how we talked about as well so i really appreciate you coming on the podcast brett and sharing for your time tonight with us Yeah, man, I appreciate you having me on here. It was, uh, like I said, my first podcast, and hopefully I can do some more in the future. Looking forward to it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Military Veteran Dad. Brett opened up his story and immediately started providing value on finding new roads in life and how you don't always have to follow the path that's always been laid out for you. And for me, the big takeaway this episode is being able to find that mentor. Now, Honing this podcast for two years now, I can tell you it would have been so lonely had I not had many, many, many mentors in my life being able to help guide me, call me out when I was making a mistake, when I did something incorrect. You need people to be there in the thick of things in your life because, as you know, life is not always rainbows and unicorns. And let's be honest, life is never rainbows and unicorns. If it is, and it's a micro millisecond that it is, and then it's right back to the chaos of fatherhood and everything that is life. And I say it often on the podcast that some of the best advice that I've learned is 
related back to many moments in the Marine Corps where your back is the first thing that they abuse. And a good example is that there would be these massive pile of boxes or this big crate. And one person's mindset might be, oh, we need a fork truck to move that box a couple feet down the down the grassy lane here. A Marine's mindset is, no, you just need more Marines to lift it. And that is exactly how we need to apply all the different challenges that we go through in life. It is not about doing it and lifting it alone. And if you can't lift what's in front of you, that just means that you need more people in your life to help you lift it. And that is what I talk about so much that we were never designed to do life alone. And when life gives you more than you can handle, you need men around you to share that load, diversify the weight that is pushing down on your shoulders. So to me, that is the big takeaway of this episode. And if you struggle with finding mentors or really talking to other people, because as a veteran, this seems almost like an oxymoron that most people don't believe that we struggle with, but talking to people, being able to strike up a conversation with strangers, that is something that really deeply scares us. And now it's kind of an also ironic that we are we have no fear in many cases, or we have fear, but we are able to channel it and still take action on going through Iraq, going through Afghanistan, and fighting all these battles that we're on the front lines for. And then when we're home and we're in an environment where we're most likely not going to die, we somehow just freeze when we have to say hello to someone. So if that idea resonated with you and it's something you even wanted to work on, head on over to freedadcourse.com. There is a five-lesson audio course there where 10 minutes each, very short, straight to the point, to help you have more friends, more connection, more relationships, more everything in your life that friends can deliver. And if maybe you are already past the idea of having friends, maybe you are ready to really do this work on that mission that I talked about on coming home to your family, Be feel free to check out the signature coaching program of Military Veteran Dad called It's Time to Come Home where we take an eight-week course and we unpack it in a way that allows you to build up the necessary toolbox for you to emotionally and physically come home every day through the door and know who you are, feel in control of who you are, and be able to provide the best version of yourself to your family. If you would like more information on that, head on over to bencolloy.com. All the information is there. And just for checking it out, there is a free 45-minute coaching call with me where we dive into discover really what's holding you back and where we can go together in your life and what is really under all that BS you tell yourself that's holding you back from being the best dad you can be. 